within three days that that is hard to imagine. I mean, on Friday at 3 o'clock, Jesus dies. And and, and from his death, and and even all that happened that morning, and and all the torture, and all the the ridicule, and all the criticism, and all the the betrayal, and all that he faced to to his death, and, and to think about the disciples and how how scared they were and how they ran away and how they hid because their, their best friend, but not just their best friend, their Lord and Savior, the, the one who was going to save the world, dies. They, they are radically lost. They, they have they've lost all hope to where they, they've all hid. They've all run away from him. And, and not just run away from him. Let me clarify. They've run away from the Romans. And they've run away from all that they're facing. And I don't know where you're at right now in your life, but you need this message today. And you need this message. You need to be reminded of this message all the time because we will all face at some point what looks like a hopeless situation. We all will face a Friday like that doomsday Friday that they experienced. But as you've heard many times, Sunday's coming. And even though they did not know what Jesus had done they still don't even have a clue what he's going to do. And I will tell you this to you. You might not really have a clue of what Christ has done, but even less of a clue of what he's going to do. So what's, what's just around the corner that you don't see, just because you don't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. We believe that there's something unbelievable and powerful always coming to the body of Christ. So what I'm going to try to do today, I'm going to try to present to you the power of the good news. And I'm going to try to present to you the three things that you need every day for the rest of your life. That you need forgiveness, that you need freedom, and that you need victory. And I'm going to try to tie all of that in with what happened within those 72 hours. I'm going to try to help you understand what the blood of Christ does for us, what the cross of Christ does for us, and what the empty tomb does for us. Because all three of them will represent things that you need. The blood of Christ represents, and what it does for you is it it, it creates forgiveness in your life. The cross of Christ represents for you the freedom that you need in Christ. And then the empty tomb for you gives you the victory that you have in Christ. And I'm going to tell you, a lot of us walk around life looking at what we don't have because we really don't know what we do have. So today, I pray that this message blesses you and gives you something to look back and go, I didn't know that's what it did. So what I'm going to try to do today is give you the logistical things that happened in these three days so you can really appreciate the beauty of the resurrected Christ. So truth number one that I will share with you is this. Christ's blood, it saves us. The blood of Jesus Christ it's the most, it's one of the most powerful things in this entire universe. It is something that goes, even though it was shed in this three-dimensional world, it goes outside this three-dimensional world. It's more powerful than something that just happened in Jerusalem at Golgotha where he died. It goes, it goes into every one of our lives. And not only does it go into our lives, it goes into the supernatural world. And when the blood of Christ is seen, by angels, when the blood of Christ is seen by fallen angels, when the blood of Christ is, is, is poured upon you, 
and, 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 and forgiveness is given to you. There's so many things that you need to know what it does for you so you can understand it. I, I, I thought I knew until I really research it. And the more I research it and the more I study it, the more I thank God that Jesus Christ shed his blood for us. Because from the blood, you receive forgiveness. See, the blood of Jesus Christ deals with our sins. The blood of Christ deals with our, 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 our behavior and the choices that we make in sinning. It's what it does. It's a wonderful thing. It's the one thing that, that we have to have all the time. We need the blood of Christ. And here's what I will tell you. The blood of Jesus Christ never changes. The blood of Christ is the payment for our sin. There's so many different words that people use that, that are very religious, and a lot of people just don't understand it. But I want to help you understand what it does for you today. There's three things that the blood of Jesus does. And, and so before I get to the resurrection, I've got to go back and help you understand because some of us today, we're basing our salvation on our behavior. You look at your behavior, and when you look at your behavior, you think, man, I hope, like I've said this before, right? I hope Jesus comes today because if he just showed up yesterday, I want to gone. And there's people that all the time, they raise their hand every time to accept Jesus Christ, and they do it every week because they had it today's Sunday, but last night, oh, it was fiesta week two weeks ago. A lot of hands went up, right? They're like, I need a lot of help. We look at our behavior when God looks at the blood of Christ. And I want you to understand the three things that the blood of Christ does for you. When he shed his blood for you, these are the three things that you received. One, the blood of Christ satisfies God when he sees the blood of Jesus. God is holy and God is righteous, and God is perfect, and God will only accept holiness and righteousness in his presence. So when we as sinners come up to Jesus, when we come up to God, we, we, we don't have the ability to come to God because of our sin. He has to come to us, and that's why Jesus came to us. All right, and this is why this is a beautiful weekend because when you understand when Jesus Christ shed his blood and today after, the, after we finish our, the sermon, we're going to take communion. And when we take communion, we're going to talk about the blood of Jesus. But now you'll understand what it does. When Jesus looks at me, when I've accepted Christ, when you accepted Christ, Jesus looks past your behavior. He looks past your choices and he looks at the blood of Jesus that was poured upon you. When you received Christ, you received the blood of Christ. And as you receive the blood of Christ, Jesus says, oh, I'm satisfied with, with the blood. I'm satisfied with it. This is what's called atonement. There's other words. It's a religious term. But there's other words that you'll use. They, they've been redeemed. They've been purchased. They've been paid in full. They're okay. The word justification means God looks at you, justification, just as if you've never sinned. Because when the blood of Christ is poured upon you, you've been forgiven of your behavior. You've been forgiven of your sins, the sins that you've committed, the sins that you're committing, and the sins that you're going to commit. The blood of Christ doesn't change. Hear me, 
It never changes. The power of the blood of Jesus is good now, tomorrow, and forever. And you've got a praise offering for that. We need God to look at us and say, okay, you're good. When I see you, I see your blood. I see, my, I see the blood of my son. Because if I don't see the blood of my son, if you've not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then the blood of Christ cannot cover you and cleanse you. So now you will receive the wrath of God. You receive God's wrath. You receive God's punishment for sin because a holy God cannot allow sin in his presence. So when you see Jesus Christ on the cross on Good Friday, when you see him on the cross, you see the wrath of God that's placed on him instead of you. And when the wrath of God is placed on the body of his son, and as the father watches his son and take on all the sins of the world, and as he bleeds for us, that blood makes you something that you could not achieve. It gives you something you could not accomplish. No religion could give you this condition that Christ gives you through the blood. Because the religion, the education, the political system, I don't care what institution you use, I don't care how much money you've given to the church. It doesn't matter how many times you show up to church. It doesn't matter how many verses you've memorized. It doesn't matter how good of a singer you are. None of those things will prevent you from receiving the wrath of God. There's only one thing in the entire universe that, that forgives you, and that's the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is powerful. I want you to understand that. This week, me and two friends went to a, um, a home that there was some demonic activity, and they asked us to go, go pray for them, and we did. And, and as we go in, you know, we, I, brought, I brought my two buddies together and said, hey, let, let's go eat b b before we go in there. And one of them said, is this our last meal? I'm like, stop it. <laughs> stop it. No, it's not. But, but we had to be prayed upon. And we had to go, look, you just got to understand, we're going in in the power of the blood of Jesus. And, and, and when we walk in, I don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen. But if anything does happen, let me tell you what's going to happen in the invisible realm. Those fallen angels will see us walk in and they see the blood of Christ poured on us. In the, in the supernatural world, then they're going to go, ooh, these guys are different. See, I don't think you understand what you have in Christ. If you knew what you, how many times have I said this? If you knew what you had in Christ, you would praise him more and you would pray less. And what I mean by pray, praying for something. Praying for someone else is wonderful. Praying to glorify him and, and exalting him is wonderful. But, but you would praise him more when you understood what you had. So when, when the blood of Christ comes into your life through Christ, God says, I'm satisfied. It's the first thing that happens. The second thing that happens is now you have access to God. Now that barrier has been removed. 
Do you remember in the, in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned and they were separated from God, there was a barrier that was placed between them. There was an angel, a cherubim, who was placed in the east part of the Garden of Eden that they could no longer enter into the Garden of Eden. There was a separation that they could not undo. Once they sinned, they were separated from God because if they stayed in the presence of God, they would not survive. So God has to expel them and, and show them there is this barrier. Well, now there is no barrier. The blood of Christ allows you and me to confidently go to the throne of God in confidence because the blood of Christ is sufficient. But my favorite thing, although those two are wonderful, my favorite thing about the blood of Christ is this, the third one. Satan can no longer accuse you. See, the accuser will always look, Satan, your greatest enemy, will always look at your life and he'll always look at your life and look deep inside and go, oh, you say you're a Christian, but look at what you do. You say you're a Christian and look at what you've done. I look at your behavior. You go to church, you've accepted Jesus, but look, you're still doing these other things, okay? Now, I'm not justifying that what you're doing is like, it, it, it's good. We'll talk about that in just a second. But in the spiritual realm, you do not answer Satan's accusations with your behavior. Because what we start doing, and there's, I cannot tell you how many times I've dealt with people who come to church here and in other places I've been to, and they've talked to me and says, Coach, I just don't feel saved. I'm like, okay, why don't you feel saved? Well, because sometimes I, 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 I so I asked them, have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Well, yes, I have. All right, so, so then, then what is your life, how has your life changed well, that's the thing. I feel like sometimes I'm, I'm still doing some other things. Okay, let's talk about that because down the line we'll talk about grace. But you have to understand this. Satan is looking at you and you, you do something that you shouldn't do. And now you do something that you shouldn't do. But as you're doing that, now you start going, oh, my God, that's it, that's it. You don't answer Satan's accusations with your behavior. You answer Satan's accusations with the blood of Christ. See, the blood of Christ, Satan has no authority when you're covered with the blood of Christ. So when Jesus Christ bled for us, it is the payment for our sins. It is having complete and total. God sees that blood and it says, they're good enough. They're good because the blood of Christ is poured upon them. Now Satan comes up and goes, I, I can't accuse them. You can accuse them all you want, but I'm not going to listen to any of it. Because your accusations have no authority in their life because the blood of Christ has covered them. So I want you to think about this. And I want you to understand this. Whenever you start looking at your behavior, whenever you start justifying what you've done is wrong, and you try to make it right with behavior, you're going in the wrong direction, my friend. You don't answer your bad behavior to Satan with good behavior. You answer your bad behavior with the blood of Christ. And Satan has to keep his mouth shut. See, Jesus, the blood of Jesus, gives you forgiveness. And that forgiveness is something you need the rest of your life. So let me tell you what that does for me. 
and I pray that it does it for you. When I understand, I don't have a, you could call it a, a get out of jail card. You can call it that if you want to. But what it does for me is this. When I know that no matter what I do, the blood of Christ is greater than what I do because Christ is my Lord and Savior and I've accepted him. And when he bled on that cross, he paid for my sins and he, he, he purchased my forgiveness. Let me tell you what it does for me. It makes me want to do right, not so he can love me. It makes me want to live right. It makes me want to, want to come to church. It makes me want to read the Bible. It even makes me want to dress in pink. <laughs> hear me, hear me, hear me. My wife let me borrow this today, by the way. Just, it, it does all these wonderful things. I do all these wonderful things, not for his love, but I do it because it's my way of worshiping him. Your life now that you have been forgiven of your sins through Christ, your life is radically changed. You now live and you make choices and you make decisions to glorify him and to exalt him because you've been forgiven. Could you give him a praise offering for that? I, I need forgiveness all the days of my life and so do you. I thank God for forgiveness. I, I, I appreciate his forgiveness. So now I know the voice of my accuser. I know the voice of my enemy. I know the strategy of my enemy. I know what he tries to do to me, what he tries to do to my children, what he tries, what he tries to do to my marriage, what he tries to do to this church. I know what he tries to do to you. I know what he, tries, I know what he whispers into your ears. I know what he tells you. I know who he is. But he has no answer to the blood of Christ. He knows what the blood is in your life. He wants you to take your eyes off the blood of Christ. He wants you to look at your behavior and your sin all the time. So hear me out. The forgiveness of Christ is received by the blood. The blood forgives my sins, and it makes me have peace with God. Let's read scripture to show you this, all right? And it's in uh, Romans chapter 8. But God showed his great love. He showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by what? By the blood of Christ. We are made right by the blood of Christ. We've been forgiven that all that is blue because it's a truth. Look at the green because it's a promise. We will certain, he will certainly save us from God's wrath. From God's condemnation. I worship God. I praise him. When we get to this, this last song and when we get to, to, to take communion, I want you to really understand when you take the blood, you understand the blood of Christ has saved me from God's condemnation. He saved me from the wrath of God. I do not receive what I, I should receive. Instead of God's punishment, Christ receives that punishment and I receive God's love. Amen, right? So that makes you want to worship him and glorify him a whole lot more. So, so when we get to that last song and we really start worshiping him, 
I want you to worship him and glorify him and just thank him for the blood. Thank him for the forgiveness that you have in Christ. Truth number two. So if the blood of Christ forgives me of my sins and makes me right with God, what does the cross of Christ do? Christ, the cross of Christ, the death of Christ, makes us saints. Now, this is very hard for those of us that have grown up in the Catholic world, which is a lot of us, right? We kind of go, I'm, I'm not a saint. I'm not a saint. Why aren't you a saint? Because the church hasn't given me sainthood. Who or what made you believe that the church has the right to clarify you a saint. How can another person clarify you in sainthood? So have you ever heard here, I've got a good friend of mine that always texts me, how are you doing, saint? How are you doing, saint? Saint, how are you doing? It's like, it's kind of awkward, like, I don't like New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute, you're, 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 calling me, you're calling me a saint. I'm, 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 I'm. Okay, so hear me. Let me explain all this because it will help you understand. The word saint in Greek is hagios, and what it means is righteousness. It means holy. It means blameless, and you're going, well, that's not me. That's not me. Okay, hear me. Let me explain this to you because I want you to understand this. Sainthood does not come, again, from your behavior. Here we go. This is, this, the blood of Christ forgives me for what I've done. Well, here's what the blood of Christ doesn't do. The blood of Christ gives me peace with God, but you know what the blood of Christ doesn't do? It doesn't give me peace with myself. Because the blood of Christ doesn't do anything for me and myself because my, my, my old nature, my, my, my man, the, the person that I was, I, I don't have an answer for that person. So if the blood of Christ deals with my sins, the cross of Christ deals with the sin. Not my behavior, but the nature of who I am. So here, I want you to understand this. I am not someone, I am not a, a, a sinner because I sin. I sin because I'm a sinner. I want you to hear that. That sounds the same, but it's very different. I'll say it again. I am not a sinner because of my behavior, because I sin. Okay? I sin because of my nature. Does that make sense to anybody? I'll explain it better. I'm a Mexican-American not because of my behavior. I'm a Mexican-American because of my parents. Does that make sense to everybody? Right? All right. So, I am not a sinner because of my behavior. I am a sinner because of my original parents, Adam and Eve. The blood of Christ forgives my behavior, but the death of Christ deals with my nature. It deals with who I am. 
because I have no answer for who I am. I have no answer for what I do. The blood of Christ deals with what I've done. But the cross of Christ, the death of Jesus, Jesus dies. So one amazing thing can happen so that I, when I accept Christ and you accept Christ, then now the one thing that I could not control or conquer, the one thing that I could not defeat, the nature of my sin because of Adam, what happens now, you ready for this, is now the only way I am going to receive freedom. See, the blood of Christ deals with my forgiveness, but it doesn't deal with my freedom. It doesn't deliver me from me. And this is why so many of us, we love Jesus, we love Jesus, we love Jesus, but we don't understand, but we hate ourselves. We hate ourselves. We hate ourselves. We don't understand what we have. Hear me out. If we knew what we had, if we knew what we had in Christ, we wouldn't act the way we're acting because we don't know anything else because it's, this has never been taught. It doesn't get taught in the church. It doesn't, and it needs to. It needs to get taught because the only way I'm going to be liberated from my nature, emancipation happens, liberation, freedom happens when the old person in me, when the Adam in me has to die. And the only way the Adam in me, the only way my genetic makeup is going to die is it has to die and be crucified on the cross with Jesus Christ. When I am crucified with Christ, I no longer live. It is now Christ who lives in me. And now I am a new creation. Now I am a new person. The blood deals with my sin, but the cross deals with the sinner in me. And it radically changes everything. Boy, I hope you understand this. It's, it's going to be hard to understand. You, I don't think you can understand it in one Easter Sunday service. You just have to hear it and, and learn to try to receive it and learn to try to go, Lord, this is a mystery. I, I don't understand this completely. But I need this. And I have to, I have to accept this. And, and I, I need this in my life because... I need forgiveness, and your blood deals with that. But I need freedom from myself because there's days that just don't like me because I'm, I, I'm dealing with things, and, and, and what's going on? How come I'm, I'm struggling because you don't know what you have because you're dying of thirst in the desert not knowing you have a bottle of water right next to you, and all I got to do is open the water and drink it. All you got to do is read the word and understand what the word is and what it's done for you. Because the moment that I accept Christ and I receive all the work that Jesus has done on the cross, his blood forgives me. His death frees me. My sainthood doesn't come from my behavior it doesn't come from a church. It doesn't come from a pastor or a priest or a rabbi or a reverend. My sainthood, my righteousness, my, my death of the old man that has to die so I can receive what Christ has for me, all that 
comes from Jesus Christ. So I want you to hear me. This is a, this is a deep message. And I know it's, it's a, sometimes some of you are like, whew, whew, whew. It, the Spirit will, will guide you to this. But I want you to understand the power that you have in Christ. Your sainthood, your hagios, your righteousness, your holiness, which you struggle to receive because you're looking at your behavior, because you're listening to the accuser, because you look at your past. You're not looking at the forgiveness that you have, and you're not looking at the freedom that you have by the death of Christ. Jesus Christ has freed you from Adam. You are no longer, we've talked about this here many times. Those of you that are, that, that are here for the first or second time, I want you to understand this. I was born, and so were you, a son and daughter of Adam. We had a first birth, and we were born sons and daughters of Adam. And we were born into sin. You were born into a nature. You were born into a person that you had no control over. You couldn't, you can't work your way out of it. You can't educate yourself out of it. There's nothing you can do personally to be anything else but a son or daughter of Adam. And then Christ comes in. This is why next week we're going to do baptisms right here. And the reason we baptize, because Jesus says it, and we don't sprinkle, we submerge. We so, and I've said this before, right? And if you haven't given tithes, we'll keep you underwater a little bit longer. <laughs> you better give your tithes. <laughs> Back in there. No, I'm just joking. We don't do that. We don't do that. But the reason, reason we do that is it is a symbol of I no longer live. The old man in me, the Adam in me has died. That old life, that first birth is finished because the only way I'm, I'm free, the only way I'm, I have my freedom is by the, by the death of the Adam in me. He no longer lives. Boom. He's dead. And then... And then when you come back, this is your second birth. This is, you're now, you're now a new race. You're now a new person. You're now a new creation. You're now God's masterpiece. You're now a son and daughter of Yeshua, of Jesus, of Jesus. You are now a son or daughter of Christ because the old has gone and the new has come. And you are something that is a miracle. You are someone that God has chosen before the foundation of the earth to bring you into Christ. And now you are in Christ. You are no longer in Adam. Your spiritual genetic makeup has radically changed. Completely and totally. 
So now the accuser talks about your behavior and he talks about your old Adam and you go, he's dead. The Adam in me is gone. You have no authority. I'm a totally new person. I am created now in Christ completely and now I have access to God and I can go to him and he can come to me and there's nothing that's ever gonna get in the way. Nothing will ever separate me from the love of God. Nothing can ever condemn me from the love of God. I'll never be guilty again in God because I am in Christ. It's paid the price. It's paid it all. We ne- we're never, I don't know why we don't teach this. We don't teach this. We just tell you, come to church. Give your money. We'll see you next week. That, that, that's not, this is powerful. So when my two other buddies, when we walked in and we knew we're covered by the blood of Christ and we knew when we walk in, We're sons of Christ. We don't walk in timid. We don't walk into a place where there's activity where we're like, Lord, what's going to happen? I I know. We know. what, Lord, this is you. We come in here in your power, in your freedom. We walk in here forgiven. We walk in here as saints, not because the church made us saints, not because of our behavior, because of the, but because of the righteousness that Christ gives me by his death on the cross. You, the word hagios literally means Christian. You're a believer when, when you've accepted Christ and you've received the salvation by the grace of God through faith in Christ alone, you have been made a saint. So when we call each other saints, it's not like, I can think it is. Who do you think you are? It's not that. No, we're not talking like that. This isn't a, hey, I'm better than you. We're going to rub elbows and, hey, we're the better ones. No, we say it in humility. Because here's what we know. We didn't earn it. I did nothing to receive it. I did absolutely nothing to gain a step forward for my sainthood. He poured it and gave it to me. And once he's given it to me, and once he's given it to you, and once you understand that he's made you righteous, he's made you holy, He's purified you. You're free from the power of sin. Sin can no longer condemn you. Sin can no longer separate you. Sin can no longer accuse you. Sin can no longer declare you guilty. It has no power and no authority in your life. You have been set free from the plantation of sin. Satan is no longer your master. You've been freed in Christ, and and you've been forgiven in Christ. Could you give him a praise offering for that? Hmm. Again, we're a Bible church. We're not a pastor church. We're a Bible church. Don't believe what you're told in church. It sounds kind of funny, right? Read the word of God. Listen, don't believe what you're told in church. Read the word of God. Don't believe what a person tells you. Read the word of God. 
We are a Bible church led by the word of God to, tra- to show you what you have in Christ. Don't you worship a man or a person that's up here. Don't you dare do that. Don't idolize that person. You glorify the one who sets you free and the one who's forgiven you. It is Christ and Christ alone, and that's who we worship. So because of that, let's read scripture. Let's go to Romans chapter 5, verse 17. For the sin of one man, Adam, truth, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of hagios. His gift, his gift of sainthood. His gift of holiness, his gift of righteousness is the gift. So you're a saint, not by the church and not by your behavior. You're a saint by the gift of Jesus Christ. Watch what it says. This is in green because this is a promise. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin. Not sins, because that's behavior. This is nature. The nature of sin over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Look at verse 18 and 19. Yes, Adam's one sin brought wrath, brought condemnation to everyone, all of us. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and a new life for everyone. And look at verse 19. Because one person disobeyed God, many became what? The one man who were born into sin. But because another person obeyed God, here's the promise, many will be made what? Hagios. Many will be made saints. Sainthood comes from the one act of Jesus Christ dying on the cross for you. And when you, oh man, praise God for that. Here's why. Religion, I'm not talking Jesus. Religion makes you think you have to do all these things You have to do all these things. And it gives you a whole list. You have to do all these things for God to love you, for you to be made right with God. Do you know that there's no degree of sainthood? I'm not a better saint than you. No one's a better saint. We're all saints in Christ. If you don't have Christ, just so you know, If you don't have Christ, you will have to answer for your sin. Christ answered for mine. On the cross, he answered for mine. If you have not accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will have to answer for your sin. Satan will accuse you and attack you and pursue you and do everything he can to destroy you. Your, Your arch enemy the lion is going is to 
not let up. You will have no forgiveness and you will have no freedom. And the third one is you will have no victory over sin. And you will die in your sin. And you will go before God. And God will look at you and say, why should I let you into heaven? Well, here's how much money I gave to the church. Here's how many verses I've memorized. Here's how many times I went to church. And I didn't like that pastor at all. (laughs) Well, I don't care what it is. Here are my degrees. The devil's going to go, I told you, he's a sinner. Because he's still in Adam. If you've accepted Christ, you'll go up on judgment day. And Satan will accuse you of all these things. And then Jesus will be your lawyer. And he'll represent you. And he'll go, hey, dad, dad, his dad's the judge, by the way. That's a good connection. <laughs> lawyer. Yeah, but, but dad, look, oh, yeah, son, it's okay. I got it. I see his blood all over you, all over him. I see his blood all over her. And... All those accusations mean nothing because he's, he or she is a saint. She's my daughter. He's my son. Because they've accepted my son. Come into the place that you did not earn. Come into the place that I have given you because you have trusted my son. Can you give him a praise off? That's, that's salvation. But hear me. If Jesus stays in the tomb, if Jesus doesn't come to life, then none of it matters. Because Jesus has to defeat death. He has to conquer sin and defeat death. Jesus has to come out of the tomb for the final thing to happen. Let me give you truth number three. And if Emmanuel, you could come up. Truth number three is this. God's spirit gives you victory. It gives you a new life. And I really want you to understand this because the, the spirit of God gives you power. In Acts chapter 2, when you get a chance to read Acts chapter 2, but especially I want to say verse 32 and 33. I don't have enough time to put it on there. But there's a, an amazing thing that happens up, up in heaven that happens when the Holy Spirit is poured out to the people of God. Because the Holy Spirit is only poured out to the sons and daughters of God. The Holy Spirit is only poured out to those who have the forgiveness by the blood and who have the freedom by the cross. See, people don't understand why we wear the cross. It's a tool of torture to Romans. The Romans used the cross as a tool to torture the enemies of the state. 
When Spartacus tried to uh, create this, this unbelievable rebellion of slave rebellion in Rome, the general of the Roman soldiers crucified 2,000 slaves on, on a path, and the cross was torture, and everyone's afraid of the cross. So why do we as Christians wear the cross? We wear the cross because it, it, it represents our forgiveness and our freedom and the power that we have in Jesus Christ. What Jesus Christ did on the cross is what makes us who we are today. We become his son and daughter, and as we become his son and daughter, then the Spirit of God is poured upon the sons and daughters of God through Christ. See, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would be poured into just certain individuals. It wouldn't go to everybody. Sometimes it would go to priests. Sometimes it would go to prophets. Sometimes it would go to kings. It would go to, to leaders. Moses was considered a friend of God. David was considered the beloved of God. Elijah was considered the prophet of God. And the Spirit of God would be poured into them at certain moments. The Bible says that when David saw the giant and, and, and he ran to the giant, he ran in the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God compelled him to say things that he could never say in his mind and in his heart and in his flesh. See, the Spirit of God gives you the victory and the power that you have, and many of us don't know that we have it. Because we're too busy looking at our behavior that's already been dealt with by the blood of Christ. And we're still back here talking about our behavior and our behavior and all the things that I've done wrong, and Lord, I've done so many things wrong. And there's a wonderful thing in that humility. But don't let it break you. Don't let it break you. The thing I've always struggled with is that I've seen believers that walk around like they've only got $10 in their pocket. And they live like they only have $10 in their pocket, not knowing that in their property there's a $100 billion oil well that's just in the bottom that's theirs. And they're billionaires and they don't even know it. And they walk around with just $10. I'm not talking about wealth talking about power. The power the Holy Spirit has given the sons and daughters of Christ is unbelievable. I'm telling you. If you knew what you had, you would look at everything differently. You don't walk around with just the Bible in your hand. You walk around with Christ in your heart and every room you walk into. If you knew the authority that you had in Christ, you would live a totally different life. You wouldn't complain about anything. You would praise him for what he takes away because the Spirit does so many things. There's so many things I love about the Holy Spirit of God, but hear me. I'll get to the three things I love the most about the Holy, the Holy Spirit. But before I do that, I want to go back to when Christ was, when he, when he eventually ascended to heaven. And when he, when, he go, when he goes to heaven, okay, the Spirit is poured to the believers because Christ is exalted up in heaven. When Christ is exalted up in heaven, the Spirit is poured upon all the believers. And you ready for this? Now, you and I, and those, those 
those sons and daughters of Christ, at that moment, they now became the temple of God because God lived in them. So here's what we've been trained and taught. Saints are only people the church declares. Saints are only people who are perfect. That's what the church declares. That's not what the Bible says. So I'm telling you, don't believe. This is going to sound funny. Don't believe church leadership. Believe the Bible. We'll get it wrong. The Bible will not. Because it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. So when sainthood happens to those who have died with Christ. So I've died with Christ. I've risen with Christ. Whatever happened to Christ happened to me when I accepted him. Because when I accepted him, if this, you've heard this scenario, you've seen this before, some of you haven't. If, there, if I have a book and I have a piece of paper and this piece of paper represents me and this book represents Christ and this piece of paper who's worn out and just depressed and defeated and destroyed and oh, he's horrible and life has just torn me up and messed me up and made me a bad person, blah, blah, blah. Torn me a little bit. Right? And this is me. And this is you. It's what the world does to us. And the book is Christ. And when we accept Christ, God puts us in Christ. And we're in the book. And wherever the book goes, what happens to the paper? Paper goes. If I mail this book to Washington, D.C., guess what happens? This paper gets a go with that book. I didn't mail the, the paper, I mailed the book. But because I mailed the book, the paper goes with it. So when Jesus Christ goes to heaven and sits at the right hand of heaven, and I am, and you are in Christ, guess where you are? Spiritually speaking, you're in Christ. You're, you're with him. That is a mystery that we'll never understand on this side of heaven. But it's one I firmly believe because the word says it. Let me tell you what the Holy Spirit, what I love about the Holy Spirit. One, the Holy Spirit gives me revelation and he gives you revelation. The spirit that lived in, that, that brought Jesus from the dead, that rose Jesus from the dead, is the same spirit that lives in you. I hope you know that. The Bible says that. He lives in you. And as he lives in you, this is the most amazing thing that happens. He reveals to you the word of God because he's the one that inspired men to write the word of God. And when I read the Bible with spiritual eyes through the Holy Spirit that lives in me, and now that the Satan can no longer accuse me and I don't, I don't receive any accusation Satan gives me, I now talk to my enemy and go, you have no authority over me because you know who I am. Because when you see the blood of Christ on me, you know what the blood of Christ does for me. And when you see the cross of Christ and what it did for me, and now I'm no longer an, a, a son of Adam, but a son of Christ, you have no authority over me. And the Holy Spirit in me reveals to me that you cannot do what you think you can to my life. I live a totally different life. And so can you, every one of you can have this. The revelation of the Holy Spirit reveals to me that I'm a child of God 
and so are you. It reveals to me that I don't go to church, but I am the church, and so are you. That the church is not a building, the church is you. The church are the people in the building. When the Holy Spirit resides in you, you now become the church, and everywhere you go, God goes with you. That's why you don't just carry the Bible, you carry the Lord in you. That's the most beautiful thing in the entire universe. You're God's property. And amen goes there. You're his property. The second thing I love about the Holy Spirit is the power that he gives me. The confidence that I have that he's always, always reminding me every single day when, the Satan, when Satan wants to accuse me, the Holy Spirit comforts me and encourages me and directs me. And I need that every day, and so do you. Come on, somebody say amen to that. When I've done something wrong, the Holy Spirit compels me to go to whoever I've wronged or whatever I've done wrong, and I ask, my pride goes aside because I have no pride because I didn't do anything to earn any of this. What I have instead of pride is humility because I'm humbled and I'm grateful that God has done this for me. And because I'm grateful and I'm humble, I go up to the person that I've wronged and I've said, I've wronged you and I am so sorry. And how can I make this right to you? My, my whole marriage changes. My parenting changes. My leadership changes. Why? Because I've changed. Because now I want to love and live and lead by Jesus. And now the Holy Spirit gives me the power to do so. And the final thing that the Holy Spirit does for me, it's that, it's what I've kind of talked about is that engagement that I have every day with the Spirit. He engages you and me every day. He engages me. He talks to me all the time. He equips me. He gives me gifts that I could not attain on my own. He gives me love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and and, and self-control that I don't have the ability to achieve on my own. But he gives that to me. And he, he engages me, equips me, and empowers me to go forward. I, I've spoken a lot today. And I hope that in the middle of all this, you can receive this and go, Father, I thank you. That you've, the good news is you've given me forgiveness. You've given me freedom. And you've given me power and victory. And I ask that we live in that. I'm going to read scripture. I'm going to ask the band to come up and we're going to take communion. And we're going to just thank him. Now I'll ask you this. As everyone gets ready to come forward. Before I read this last scripture. I can't say this enough. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. How are you going to answer for your sins? How are you going to answer? What's your answer to death? How are you going to deal with your nature? How are you going to have authority to overcome what you've never been able to overcome? 
would ask that today you give your life to Christ if you have not. That as you surrender your life to Christ, you would ask him, you would ask the Holy Spirit to come into your life. Because Christ, when you accept Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells in you and he gives you something you could not attain. I'm gonna read scripture so you can see it. Romans chapter eight, verse nine. You are not controlled by your sinful nature. He's talking to the saints, to the believers in Christ. You are controlled by the Spirit. If you have the Spirit of God living in you, and remember, here's the truth, those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. See, don't take this wrong. Raising your hand doesn't make you that. It's it's the whole. It's it's you placing your faith in Him. Faith is believing the promise that God has given you, and believing the work that Christ has done for you. And if you believe the work that Jesus Christ did for you on the cross, and what He did for you in the empty tomb, and as He bled for you, if you believe that, and you place your pro, your faith in the promise that God says that you will have everlasting life, you will have eternal life to those who believe in My Son. If you believe in that, then the Holy Spirit will dwell in you, and He will live inside of you. That's how He's going to know the difference. When Jesus Christ calls his church at the rapture, he will call his spirit. And those that have the spirit will be raptured up. There will be people who go to church and don't have the spirit of God in them, but they have religion in them. Religion cannot give you the spirit of God. Only Jesus Christ can. Religion cannot do it. No education, no political system, no religion can give you what Jesus Christ can. Because no political system, no education, and no religion has done for you what Jesus Christ has done for you. I'll say it again. Those who do not have the spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, The Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. Verse 11, the Spirit of God, this is truth because it's in blue, who raised Jesus from the dead, that same Spirit lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus from the dead, because that's the truth, here's the promise. He will give life to your mortal bodies and by the same spirit living within you. We celebrate Easter because of the victory that Christ has and the victory he's given his sons and daughters. Could you get your communion cups now? And stay stay seated right now. I'm gonna pray and then we'll stand up and we'll take communion together. Father, Lord, I just thank you for the freedom, for the forgiveness, and for the victory that we have in Christ. And Lord, as as we start moving forward in this, I would ask the band to come forward. And Father, we're going to sing a little bit of this song first. And David, whenever you're, you're ready to stop, we'll stop, and then we'll take communion. 
Because I, I firmly believe this. I think the Lord wants us to worship him first a little bit. And, then, and in the middle of worship, we're just going to, here's what I want you to do, brothers and sisters. Just follow my lead here. I want you to just praise him for what he's done for you. You had no hope. You had no chance. You had an arch enemy that was going to destroy you and defeat you. And then Christ comes in. And I want you to praise him with a voice of forgiveness. I want you to praise him with a voice of freedom. And I want you to praise him with a voice of victory. And Lord, and then we'll come, I'll come back up with Roseanne. And together, as your sons and daughters, we will take communion and we'll remember you this day. In Jesus' name. Amen. Could everybody stand so we can worship him?
won the victory. He rings on high. Our God is risen. He is risen. He is alive. 